0: If you could go with me back to where I started from. This message I have here is new to me, but not new to you. Because if you've been a Christian very long, you've read Romans chapter 6. Years ago, under the Bill Gotham seminar, a basic seminar we went to five different times, and uh, it, he, one thing he recommended that was good was that we memorized Romans chapter 6. And that was what we did. We came back to church, and we had a whole bunch of us. I find it better to do it in groups. I find not to be alone is better than, it's better to be with a group of people. That way, if one fails, the other one will kind of shore you up, you know. I used to jog. I took up jogging when I was 40. And we would start jogging. The first time I jogged, I jogged as, the, the farthest I could run was a half a mile at any speed. And my wife was a quarter mile. And we were huffing and puffing like you were gonna to have to go emergency room. And then we 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 went and finally ended up I ended up able to run three miles and then kick it at the end and really hit it hard towards the end of the time. I ran five miles one time. I said, that's just crazy. And not trying to wear my joints out, but the um what I found was we had an accountability partner, which was the only way to do it. I had a guy that ran with me, and I would call him up and say, it's time to run. He'd say, I don't feel like it. I said, we made a covenant that we're going to run. You're going to run. Oh, I don't want to run. I said, you're going to run now. I'm coming over. And then there'd be days he'd call me and say, I don't want to run, man. I'm busy today. I got this. He said, you're going to run, man. You made me run. You're going to run. I'm coming over after you. And so he'd make me run. And we helped each other. And when we were weak, The other one could lift us up and help us. I think as a Christian, you need that. I know you need that. And that's what that Bible board is about. That's what that mission board is about. It's all us holding hands together by the grace of God and saying we're going to help each other accomplish something of value before we get out of here. And the devil's resistance in every way, but he may take one of us down, but we pick him back up and try to help him get back. Take your Bibles, Romans chapter 6. I'm going to do... This is an unusual message for me and my style, if there is such a thing. I am going to read the whole 23 verses. Wow. That's going to be, it's not that bad. Uh, (laughs) The whole 23 verses. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 23. The title is, Are You Tired of Living a Squirrel-Cage Christianity? Are You Tired of Living a Squirrel-Cage Christianity? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Let me preface this to say this is a chapter for born-again Christians. Not for religious people. Not for uh, denominational people. Not for people relying on their good works. This is for born-again from heaven, folks. People that have by faith come to Christ, repented, and asked Him to save them with all their heart. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should also be in the the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, underline that, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye, underline those two words if you, if you do that, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin, this is a key circle, exclamation point. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye, and that's plural by the way, y'all, are not under the law, but under grace. Then the second question, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? In other words, because we're under grace, is that okay? No rules, man. We can just do what we want. No problem. What's he say? No, never. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. goes either direction. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, that ye have Obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which had delivered unto you. Being then made free, in other words, by new information, being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of man because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness." For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. The two don't mix, oil and water. What fruit had ye in those in those things there whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye you have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, everlasting life. And of course, the verse that most soul winners memorize right off the bat, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you tired as a Christian living in a squirrel cage type of Christianity where you sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, guilt, sin, confess, guilt, sin, confess, guilt, sin, confess, confess, and there's no victory. Maybe some of you in here, smoking's your master. And and I smoked. When I first got right with God at 18 years old, I was a -a two-pack-a-day smoker. And I would, I, Winston and Marlboro. I still look at a Winston and Marlboro with some affection. (laughs) Because it's deep. It had a hook in me, and all one of my DNA, it went into my DNA, I think it went into my DNA, whatever that stands for. But, uh, I mean, I'm called... O-C-D-A-D-D, I might as well add another one. Oh, brother. But I I just, I when I tried to, I knew, I know smoking was no good. You know what? Well, I knew when I got right with God that he had to be the master. I just common sense told me that Jesus has to be number one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things be added unto you. I mean, Jesus isn't going to settle for number two, number three, number. not after what he did for me, not after dying on the old rugged cross, taking my sins upon him, bearing my punishment, and then setting me free by his resurrection and by faith in his his death, burial, and resurrection and setting me free and giving me eternal life and putting my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and preparing a place for me. After all of that and so much more, I owe him. I owe him. I owe him a debt of gratitude. And I knew those smokes, man, smokes could not rule over me, but boy, did they have a grip on me. And I got in the squirrel cage. That is, I, I sinned, I got guilty, I repented. I sinned, I got guilty, I repented. I sinned, I got guilty, I repented. I sinned a hundred times. If I didn't quit smoking a hundred times, I didn't quit smoking one time. I got so bad I'd pick a butt up on the ground just for a couple puffs. I didn't care whose lips were on that. God has a better plan for us than that. Romans 6, and I hope to shake you a little bit this morning on Romans 6, but Romans 6 is our declaration of independence for the born-again Christian from sin, from habitual sinning from addiction, Romans 6. It is our emancipation proclamation for sin slaves. It is a higher call to liberty in Christ. But I will say this, if you do not know that the victory has been won and you have a new position in Christ Jesus, you may continue living as if you're defeated and powerless. And you succumb to the lies of the old nature and the old man and the devil when he says, I'm the strongest. Reminds me of an illustration I've told a number of times here. In fact, I've told everything a number of times. Reminds me of an illustration I told about an old boy that was walking along a perilous mountain uh, pass, which I've done in Hades sometimes. I know exactly. I mean, it's just a two foot little thing, but right vertical left and mountain to your right and it got dark on him, and he slipped off the path, and when he was on the way down, he grabbed something, and it was a limb, and he hung there. And you, you know what it would be like to hang somewhere all night. It was so dark. And by the way, I've been in Haiti where you could not literally, you could take your hand like this and could not see it. How many have been in darkness like that? That's all. <laughs> but I mean, It's dark. And he couldn't see where his feet were, and he couldn't see below him, and he felt like he was in peril. He was going to die, and he hung on that tree, and his arms ached and pain, and all that whole deal. And he hung there and hung there and hung there as the sun finally. Oh, you talk about longing for the morning. He longed for the morning where he could see what was going on. And finally, when just enough light to where he could see, he looked down there, and there was a big smooth uh, shelf six inches under his feet. He could let go. That's the way some Christians are. That lack of information causes us great suffering and mental pain. The lack, that, the lack of Romans chapter 6 information. The lack of the information that we are free. We are ignorant for the most part of our position in Christ, and we're ignorant of the power that it affords us over our sin nature. And so we keep going on as if we're defeated like that poor soul Hanging on that mountain. It's amazing about statistics. I like statistics. Now, you can misread statistics and you can make statistics say things they should not say. You've got to be careful about overweighting statistics, but I like biblical statistics. So I did a little work here on Romans chapter 6. The word yield, that means you and I giving, reckoning, appears eight times in some form or another. The word free appears four times. The word know or knowing appears four times. The word uh, death appears 15 times. Now, in 23 verses, something appears 15 times. It tells me that this chapter talks a lot about death. The word sin appears 17 times. So, if you got a chapter of 23 verses and you got 17 times the word sin and 15 times the word death, it's talking about the consequences of sin, which are death. It's talking something about the word grace appears three times, and it, it talks about yielding and being free. So that the theme of the chapter is the consequences of sin is death and how to overcome those consequences by living under the power of God that's available to you and to me. Knowledge of the victory won will give you the victory ground to withstand the devil when he comes by and tells you you can't do it. You're weak, and all you can say when the devil comes by and says you can't do it, all you can say is, Bob Miller, you can say, that's right, I'm too weak. But my father's not. Amen? My father's not weak. I'm weak, but he is not. I like that song, I am weak, but he is strong. Help me, Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I don't have any words in that, but as far as I go. The fact is, we're dead to sin. We're baptized. Let me give you some of the phrases out of this chapter. I'm not going to rehearse every verse. There's no time. But let me me give you a quick mountaintop of this. And maybe by the end of this, saying you can walk out of here, if you've been a slave to the old man, and the old man's been saying he's got more power than any, that you can be free today. Glory. Glory. We are baptized into Jesus Christ by his death on the cross. Baptized, the old Baptist got it right. We don't have much right, but we got this right. When you get baptized, you get completely immersed and brought back out. I didn't get saved. I didn't get a little salvation sprinkled on me. I, got, I want, Buddy, I want it all. How about you? I want to get baptized into salvation. I want to get immersed into salvation. pictures the biblical picture of it. We are baptized into Jesus Christ by his death at the cross. We are buried with him through the cross. We are raised with him in the cross. We are planted together with him at the cross. We are crucified with him. That's just in chapter 6 here. The old man is declared dead. The body of sin is declared destroyed. We are dead with Christ. We're dead to sin. And we're declared in this chapter alive to God. Now those are the facts of the purchase, salvation, and union with Christ Jesus we have spiritually. All by faith. Absolutely just like that man hanging on the old side of the mountain was in pain and suffering and anguish, his heart was scared and needless for so many hours, and he was, he was, he was uh, a defeated and weak and wimping and self-pitied and sorrowful, hoping that something could be different, when all the time it was different. But he just didn't know it. He didn't know it. He couldn't claim the victory because he didn't know there was a victory. He didn't know that shelf was just six inches below him. That's what Romans 6 accomplishes with us in the Bible. It tells you there is power over sin. You're not; you're no longer to be a servant of sin. You're supposed to be a servant of righteousness. And Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I think it's time to call a halt to squirrel cage Christianity. I've seen it over and over. I saw it at Bible college. I have seen it through the ministry. I've had it want to happen to me. Until I finally go by faith to Christ and say, "This is not me, but you." It's not by my power that I live the Christian life. It's by the Holy Spirit's power. Can you get that real good? Because if you're trying to live by your power, you're going to be in that squirrel cage, and you're going to be you're going to be sinning. You're going to be confessing. You're going to be guilt. You're going to be sinning. You're going to be. But if you are living on God's power, if you're allowing and reckoning yourselves dead. Indeed, under sin, but alive under God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ooh, you're going to find the supernatural Holy Spirit's power is going to release you. Brother over here, Dr. Crabb, spends much of his life, has spent much of his life in helping addicts. And I mean real bad addicts. I'm talking about crack addicts. I'm talking about heroin addicts. I'm talking about alcoholism. I'm talking about the kind of smoking, the kind of stuff that gets into your soul. But he's seen and I've seen people that are released, they're not released through their willpower. Man, they've already tried that before they come to us. They've already tried all the willpower they can muster. And that had not done them much good at all. They're in that squirrel cage and can't get out. And by the time they come to us, we take them here to Romans chapter 6. And we say, as Romans chapter 6 says, Walk in newness of life now. Live in the lightness of his resurrection. Not, do not serve sin. Be free from sin. Live unto God. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. Yield yourselves unto God. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Be servants of God. Have fruit unto holiness. Each one of those ten things are quotes out of this chapter. Why? Because you're not under the law. This is the key but under grace, under grace. Jesus died on that old rugged cross, and when you got saved, what did you do? What did you do? You placed your simple childlike faith in his finished work, did you not? If you tried to work your way to, sitting on the front's a little hazardous, but I'm going for it. If you try to work your way to heaven, you're, it's hopeless, Hopeless. Hopeless. How much good can you do to be perfect? Preacher, I wasn't perfect after I was in fact six weeks old. You probably threw your first temper tantrum. You say, babies don't. Oh yes they do. I've seen it in their eye. The Holy Spirit after you put your little childlike faith in Jesus' shed blood and his burial and resurrection on Calvary, the Holy Spirit, by faith, that little bit of faith was a seed in which God could come and it answered it and God came to you and he met you and the Holy Spirit now baptized you into Jesus Christ. He immersed you into Jesus Christ and now you are living as an eternal being. Forgiven of all your sins because you earned it? Because you worked for it? Because you deserve it? No. It was a gift of eternal life by faith through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you say, Brother Bill, anybody that's saved knows that. Well, praise God. But the second point you may not know. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul makes an astounding statement. He says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. One thing I can tell you about God, he's not a quitter. What he starts in you, which you allowed him by yielding and, and by placing faith in his son and what he did on Calvary and the resurrection, you started it. But what you start... He has to finish. And what God starts, brother, Paul says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun, that's salvation, a good work in you, will perform it all the way to the end. Glory to God. I'm happy about that. I'm not resting in my self-will. I'm not resting in my ability to have discipline. I'm resting in Jesus Christ and yielding to him. I'm reckoning myself dead indeed under sin and alive under God. And then the power of God then can flow through me and help me to be like him. And he can manifest himself to me. Jesus, the Bible said, destroyed the works of the devil. The body of sin, this chapter says, was destroyed. The power was cut off. Now we choose, based on faith, in his finished work on the cross. word's like reckon. Yield, by the way, occurs eight times. The word let not, does that not mean you have a choice? And it indicates you have some choice. In other words, you're placing a faith in him in this matter. Before the cross, there was a choice, but you had no power and no legal right to be free from sin before the cross. You wanted a people that are not saved Realize the, the evils of things in the world. And they say, I don't what, but they still get oftentimes brought back into those things. I'm never going to cuss again. Try that one. But in Christ, by the grace of God, in Calvary, we're set free. How did we choose? I placed my faith in Him. Let me give you a quote of a book that I've highly been recommending lately here. It's a book called The Principles of Spiritual Life by Miles Stanford. Here's a quote. He says, summing chapter 6 up, I think so well, I want to read it to you exactly like he wrote it. If only I were stronger, we say, I could overcome my violent outbursts of temper. And so we plead with the Lord to strengthen us that we may exercise more self-control. But it's altogether wrong. This is not the Christian way. God's means of delivering us from sin is not making us stronger and stronger, but making us weaker and weaker. This is surely a peculiar way of victory. Uh, You say, but it is the divine way. It is God's way. God sets us free from the dominion of sin, not by strengthening our old nature and our old man, but by crucifying him. Not by helping him do anything, but by removing him from the scene altogether. The Bible says that in God's presence, in the end of this whole thing, that there will absolutely be no glorying of the flesh in his presence. No man, no Baptist, no Luther, Presbyterian, anybody that's saved is ever going to go to God and beat their chest and say, I did it. Not one person. The Bible makes it clear that we're going to stand before Jesus realizing that it was by his power that he saved us. It was by his power that he sanctified us. That means kept us. It was by his power. So who gets all the glory? God gets all the glory. Who deserves all the glory? It does, doesn't it? The believer does not beg for help, which I have done. Trust me on this. I have made every mistake in the book multiple times. I've gone to God and begged him, please help me to overcome. Please help me to overcome this. Please help me to overcome this. Please help me to overcome this. Please help me. That's not the way. That's not the way. We don't beg God to help us, the old man, the flesh or anything, overcome it. We appropriate what has already been overcome through the blood shed on Calvary, his death and resurrection, which has already been won, and we appropriate. That's what the word means to reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin. You appropriate what's already been done. We get out of the squirrel cage. We stop wrestling with the old man, which we cannot overcome in the, by, by the old man. And we reckon ourselves by faith in his death, burial, and resurrection victorious over the old man. Now that's the way you get set free. Paul Says it this way, my grace, where he talks of Jesus. Paul came to Jesus and said, I got this thorn, I want to get away from it, please help me. And, and, And in that case, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I've done a lot of meditation over that verse. That is so opposite. I thought we're made strong by our strength. Paul said, No, no, God's manifesting in you by your weakness because he's not going to give you credit. For victory, because you cannot get credit for victory because you don't earn any credit, you don't deserve any credit, you can't get it. I gotta give it to you. And so you come to Him by faith. How'd you get saved? Somebody told you that you were a sinner, they told you that you couldn't you couldn't save yourself by any good works, they told you Jesus Christ came in your place took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion, of man he humbled himself, became obedient in death, even the death of the cross. Somebody said that Jesus died for you on the cross. He shed his blood, and God the Father, and, and he, were, he he was resurrected, proving that he was the one, he was the Messiah. Of all the people who said they're the Messiah, only one was resurrected, Jesus Christ, not Allah, not Buddha, not, not Shintoism, not any of these other world religions, just Jesus. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. He paid the cost, the price for our sin. I heard that. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I couldn't save myself. I believed what they were telling me was true. I believed God's word. And as a five-year-old kid in the backseat of a 56, 57 Chevy on the way on Cassopla Street in Elkhart, Indiana, and I think in 1957, I asked Jesus to be my Savior in simple childlike faith. Why? I was a child. What other kind of faith does a child have but childlike faith? And well, I didn't know the scriptures. I didn't know that Jesus said, except you become as a child, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven." I didn't know any of that. I just knew that I was a sinner and I was going to go to hell. You said, at five years old, are you kidding? At five years old, I've already smoked. My brothers took me back to the chicken coop. We sat on top of the chicken coop, smoked Winston. That's what happens when you get older Brothers. I would have never thought of that. Well, I'd already done horrible things. I'd, I had lied. I had uh, cussed. I had hated. I had uh, been jealous. I mean, the list is too. I don't even know how. I had so many sins, I couldn't even remember them all. Five years, old. Five years old. I got saved by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, why is it that we all agree, that born-again believers, that we get saved by faith in Christ, why is it that we don't get sanctified by the same amount of faith? Why is it we try to will ourselves to be good Christians? Why is it we go through the squirrel cage? Why is it that we try to rely on our discipline? Oh, some people are very disciplined. Some people have really self-discipline that's pretty amazing, but their righteousness are still as filthy rags. The only way you're going to be accepted of God is to walk in his victory. And chapter 6 basically said you were saved by faith. That's chapter 5 and 4. If you go back to chapter 5 and 4, you're justified by faith. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. For, actually, he says in chapter 4, verse 5, it says, For him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith shall be counted for righteousness. That's justification. Big word. It means declare not guilty through the blood of Christ and having that little bit of faith in what Jesus did. The Bible says, I forgive you all your sin. But then we go to live the Christian life and we say, well, now I'm going to try, 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 try. And we get in our own little squirrel cage and we fail, fail. We get so defeated, so down. But God is allowing that to happen because he must convince you, which are thick, hard-headed people. He must convince you that you cannot do it in the will of the flesh, you cannot live the Christian life by your willpower. You cannot live the Christian life by your self discipline. You cannot please God by your own human strength. You must come to Him the same way you came to get saved. And by childlike faith in, in the victory that He won at the cross, you must identify with Him and His victory over the old man. How? By faith. Reckon ye. Is faith. Reckon ye. Reckon ye yourselves dead indeed under sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I like what Paul said, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. That's what this chapter is talking about. It's reckoning yourself dead indeed under sin, crucified with Christ. It's just faith. I'm dead indeed under sin. I give myself to thee. I choose, the only little bit of choice I got is I choose by faith to be identified with Christ Jesus. Now, blessed Holy Spirit, give me the power that's available so that I can be free (laughs) from the horror of sin, the daily walk of sin, the habitual slavery of sin. So I'm justified without works, and I am sanctified without works. Well, let me finish Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, there it is, by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That says it all right there. Galatians 2.20 is as clear as anywhere in the Bible of how you get this daily victory. How to get daily victory over sin is we get up in the morning and we identify ourselves by faith in the crucified Christ. And we say, fill me with thy blessed Holy Spirit. Give me the power to live it today. It's not me, but you. The, 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 uh, The victory sign is not I, but Christ. We used to, I used to be in a, in a society at Bow Jones University. It was called the uh, New Delta Chi. And we would play soccer and we'd get together in a group and we'd say, Nicodia Christa. That means victory in Christ. Nicodia Christa. We said it in Latin to sound educated because we were uneducated and we wanted to be educated, and that's why we went to college. And that's why we joined a society because it sounded real neat. New Delta Chi, Greek letters. It could have been ABC, but no. Had to be something nobody else knew what it was that made it sound more intelligent, more sophisticated until I got to be a sophomore when I knew everything. Will you choose? You say, Brother Bill, I've been struggling with something that's overcoming me. Maybe pornography. In surveys, blind surveys, 95% of the men, Christian men, say they're Christian, are struggling with some sort of pornography, some level of pornography. Has that had a are you in the squirrel cage with pornography? And you're obviously losing? That's because you can't beat it without the power of God. You can't beat it without the Holy Spirit. And you'll not get victory and beat your chest and say, I got victory over pornography. The only way you're going to beat it is to reckon yourself dead indeed under pornography, but alive under Jesus Christ, and be crucified with him. I am crucified with Christ. Yet I live, but not I, but Christ liveth. Our Father, we pray that we help us to understand the truth of this passage. We pray that the Spirit of God may teach this as only you can. Free some Christians, some of your claimed ones, that have been saved. Yes, they've been saved, but they've been living in defeat. They've been living in the squirrel cage. Release them today as they come to thee by faith and reckon themselves and daily get up in the morning and reckon themselves by faith and identify themselves to the cross of Christ. And then free them. Free them. Free them. Father, help us, once free, to tell everybody we know there's freedom in Christ from the bondage of sin and death. Father, there could be some in this room that have never come even to the first step, that is, trusting Christ as their personal Savior. Never have they yet reckoned themselves by faith to Christ who died for them. Oh, they've known about Jesus. They've been around Christians. They've been in churches. They've been, some of them, baptized. Some of them sprinkled. Some of them taken communion. But they've never by faith in their heart. The Bible says, Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You may have believed from your head, not your heart. It may have been a casual, temporary belief, but it wasn't from a heart belief. Why don't you today make sure? Why don't you in a moment as we sing and stand, why don't you come let somebody take you to the back in a moment, a few moments in a room with a person with the Bible that loves the Lord, and why don't you settle that? Maybe here's a Christian you've struggled and struggled and struggled and failed and struggled, but now you want to succeed by the grace of God. You want to get out of that cur- squirrel cage. You saw it. Father, help those also to make it known so we can help them in Jesus name we pray amen you come.